I just realized that I never like <laughs> I never like introduced the show. <laughs> it's just one of those weeks where oh, I just forget that we're doing audience, a podcast. This is Gilmore Girls, Gilmore Girls. This is audience. <laughs> this is Gilmore Boys where we talk about uh <laughs> that's actually a podcast, I think. <laughs> I think that's already a podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Run That Back. I'm Cody. I'm Matt. We're two brothers that talk about movies as if our opinions matter, and today we'll catch up with what we've been watching. (laughs) Examine the super elusive New Mutants and its turbulent past. And so without further ado, let's run that back. Did you like my like pun in the intro oh, there? I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, but speaking of the mattress, do you love your mattress? I love our mattress a lot. Do you love like the mattress itself or just the fact that it's king size? I think both, yes. but the majority is that it's the king size. Oh, okay. <laughs> the king size is like having a king size bed is a life changer. <laughs> the other day... Kristen was cold and she like scooted towards the middle and was like come here I'm cold I was like we bought this king bed so I would never have to see you again (laughs) I was like get on your side (laughs) oh man hey hey come over here I'm cold all right wait let me put my shoes on (laughs) yeah I'm walking over now well and we also we bought the king bed and we were like oh it's gonna be so much better when we allow the cats to sleep in here because they're going to have so much more room to but like... But there's not... That's why I try to explain to Carrie because she said the same thing with Bruce. They're still going to be want to be like up on top of you. Exactly. Yeah. There's room and they still just lay on us. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like... It's, we're it's, always like, go away. <laughs> the issue with the queen bed was not that they didn't have enough room. Um. So then obviously you've been watching Ted Lasso. You've been watching Bly Manor. Carrie's been watching The Queen's Gambit without you now. <laughs> yeah. Have you been watching anything else? Like on my breaks at work, I'll I'll watch Big Bang Theory. Or like as I'm going to sleep, I'll watch Big Bang Theory. I'm almost done. I'm in season 11. And I mean, again, it's fine. It's a sitcom. Everyone knows Big Bang Theory. I've been trying to keep up with binge mode, watching the Marvel movies. And honestly, yes. going back and re-watching like the ones that I haven't seen in quite a while. Like we just watched right. Iron Man 2 the other day. So Carrie's watching those with you as well? No, no. Oh, okay. Sorry, we as in the binge mode community. <laughs> we. <laughs> I don't know why I just said we. You and Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Iron Man 2, not good, but better than I remembered it being. Yes, yes. I thought the same thing. Iron Man 3? Uh-huh. Really good. Yeah? Really good. I, I haven't was, seen I that one in a while. Spoiler alert for Iron Man 3. Yeah, that movie did come out pretty recently. <laughs> <laughs> I was really frustrated. I was so excited to see Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin when that movie came right. out. And then when they like switched it up and, Switcheroo. He was, and he wasn't really the Mandarin, it pissed me yeah. off. And I was like, nope, fuck this movie. Nope. Right. Watching it now, like knowing that that's a thing... Yeah. Like, it's it's a really good movie. Yeah. 
and Ben Kingsley is hilarious as the oh my god <laughs> as the like actor yeah his accent and everything Trevor Slattery. oh my gosh he's amazing and and I mean and, I love Guy Pierce so you know whatever I don't have as high of hopes for the next installment Thor the Dark World yeah I feel like binge mode they're such positive people you know like they're able to take a lot out of movies that maybe aren't like the best ones like like Iron Man 2 and like I haven't watched Incredible Hulk since I watched it in the theaters in mm-hmm. 2008. Incredible Hulk was good. They that's what they said in the podcast and so I was thinking, you know, maybe it's uh maybe it is good or whatever. I don't know. But I was thinking like Thor the Dark World, we might hear a binge mode episode with noticeable depression in it. <laughs> That being said, I doubt it. I'm sure they're still going to be positive the whole time. <laughs> um, and we've been reading the Harry Potter books. We've been rereading yes. Harry Potter. So we're on... I'm on chapter six of The Prisoner of Azkaban. That's a good one. You know it's not a good one? Movie-wise? Chamber of Secrets. That's not true. Go back and rewatch it. Wait. In the sense of comparing it to the book... Or, like, as a movie by itself. Okay, so the story of the movie, I wouldn't say the screenplay, but the story is good. Because it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. They did leave out some stuff from the book that I was like, well, I would have liked to see that. But that's fine. That happens when you adapt a movie from a book. Um, Let me me start. Let me go into, you know, what makes a good adaptation. I'm just going to veer off for a second. Yeah, we've never talked about this before, so it should be interesting. See previous episode. There you go. But, like, just bad green screen and bad effects, and the direction wasn't great, sorry. All respect to Chris Columbus. It it just wasn't good. Yeah. It's also um, the longest Harry Potter movie. Mm. And it's, like, the second shortest book. And they leave out a lot from the book. Uh, yeah, I want people to know, by the way, as far as books go, Matt read the shit out of the Harry Potter series <laughs> to the point that we went to the midnight release of Deathly Hollows to pick it up from Barnes & Noble. <laughs> hung out with that some was, random guy. That was a fun night. Loved the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> just wouldn't stop talking to us about it. But... We, that was a fun night. So Matt loves Harry Potter. I never read them until later in my life. And when I decided to read them, I read them all back to back in like two weeks. Um, and I always had heard based on the movies that like, oh, Half-Blood Prince isn't good. And like Order of the Phoenix isn't good and stuff. But Half-Blood Prince might be my favorite book out of the out of the it, series. I'm, I'm with you. I I have a hard time picking one, but... Yeah. I think I think it's mine as well. What have you been watching? <laughs> it's still the same. I'm just watching Gilmore Girls cuz we uh we finished My Hero Academia. But now HBO Max is on the Fire Stick finally. And so now you start a Big Bang Theory. I can finally watch HBO Max out in the living room, so we're probably going to start watching a lot of stuff on there. But speaking of watching things, this week we watched New Mutants. I actually watched it last night. Carrie texted you last night, and I said, he may not respond right away. He's watching a terrible movie. 
Don't stop. Don't stop. I don't want to talk about that yet. <laughs> You're getting ahead of yourself. I want to talk about. It's like if it's they got the guy past. who made stop it. The the fault in our stars and had him make an X Men movie. Oh man. Okay. So <laughs> we watched we watched the New Mutants <laughs> this week. And the New Mutants is a kind of like a spin-off X-Men movie about and it's and it's supposed to be like a horror like teen movie that's also an X-Men movie. They I'm, I kept reading that they were saying it would be like a horror John Hughes movie. I'm really excited to hear like your opinions on this. Yeah, because, because it's of, horror. Like, the horror element well because it's because supposed to be horror. Elements. <laughs> <laughs> um so it you know, we don't have to go too deep into the full on like plot of the movie, but essentially it's young mutants in the X-Men world that haven't figured out how to control their powers yet and therefore a corporation takes them and kind of locks them in almost like a mental institution until they can figure out whether they're a danger to society or not. And the teens all kind of, you know, they have their conflicts and their they come together and all that kind of stuff. So you've seen that kind of movie a thousand times. I'm not going to get into that. What I want to talk about first, before anything else, is the dramatic like history of this movie <laughs> because something important to think about is this film was made in 2017 mm -hmm. and it was announced with a release date of april 13th 2018 right and then they pushed it to february 19th 2019 and then they were like no august 2nd 2019 and then they said okay for sure we're releasing it April 3rd, 2020. There's nothing in the world that could stop this from happening. And then due to COVID, they pushed it to August 28th, 2020. And I, I, I never saw the teaser trailer, but allegedly when it announced August 28th, 2020, there was an asterisk that said fingers crossed <laughs> in the trailer. <laughs> so that's awesome. No one was very confident. I didn't about know this. that. <laughs> I hope it's true. I read it in an article. So it did actually release August 28th to in theaters in theaters to what I'm assuming was like two people in a theater <laughs> because even big movies like Tenet didn't get draw. So like I'm sure a lot of people saw this movie to be like, I need to see what this movie is. Right. That's that was what piqued my curiosity more than anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, all right, I've seen some movies that came out on or ahead of schedule yes. that were stinkers. Yes. So what does a movie have to be for a studio to be like, you know what, we ain't even showing this to people. Well, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to like completely count it out. Me because neither. Well, Cabin in the Woods was, <clears throat> was made... Before Chris Hemsworth was Thor. <laughs> and then Thor came out, and I guess the studio decided, okay, like, we can probably release this, because at least Thor is in it. <laughs> right. Well, I think with Cabin in the Woods, a little bit different. Cabin in the Woods was really good, and I think people had confidence in, or the studio had confidence in the movie itself. They just didn't really have a good angle to market it with. Right, right. 
And so they hadn't done all the marketing. With New Mutants, the movie was done. The marketing had started. And then they said, you know what? I want to do research, uh, reshoots. This is an interesting concept, too. I wanted to bring this up. Because as I've looked up everything, I've, I, I, was, I was researching this. You know, one of the... the I think the first big release date push was for reshoots and there's all this talk about the like how intense the reshoots were how crazy the reshoots were and then the director Josh Boone swears to god there were no reshoots he says yeah we probably would have done reshoots but by the time we were available to do reshoots the whole cast was two years older so it's like who do we believe no the first time it got pushed back was to do reshoots they did reshoots the second time it got pushed back was because disney was buying 20th century fox right and they said all right you know what we're not gonna we're not gonna do it right now and then after that sale went through disney wanted to do reshoots and that's when the actors had aged out of the roles because like we said this is a movie about like teen mutants and even if the actual actors aren't actually teens, they at least can play that way. Right, and I don't know who aged out of what. Anya Taylor-Joy and... Uh, Maisie Williams. Have looked the looked same exactly since the first the time same. I saw them. And Maisie yes. Williams I saw for the first time. What, what, when did Game of Thrones come out? 1984? <laughs> A very long time ago. She's the only person re- on Game of Thrones that didn't age at all. Let me. That actually makes a good point. Let me tell you who's in this movie. It's ma- it's because it's it's a pretty stacked cast. Like for for a few people, it's got Maisie Williams, Anya Taylor Joy, Charlie Heaton, Alice Braga, Blue Hunt, and Henry Zaga. I don't really know Blue Hunt or Henry Zaga, but I've at least seen Alice Braga in I Am Legend. <laughs> but Charlie Heaton is big what have I seen him in? Things. Stranger Things. I cannot believe you just said that because what I, why I wanted to bring up all the names that were in it is because we turned on the movie and Dylan watched this one with us because I'm trying to teach Dylan about m- movies and part of that is also watching movies that maybe aren't the best, but we're not getting into that yet. I wouldn't I wouldn't say just that. I would like movies that you wouldn't otherwise watch. Right, yeah, that's true. It you got to get out there. So we turn it on and like there's a shot where it kind of shows all these kids and Dylan's like Dylan sees Charlie Heaton who's Jonathan in Stranger Things he's like that kid looked familiar who he's was like, that he's he's like the the um kid that was lost's brother right he's like yes, Winona he, Ryder's exactly. other son I really hate the way you're talking about Stranger Things as if you've just never really even seen it I I still haven't finished the third season Good God. That's not what this podcast is about. So he sees Charlie Heaton. He's like, he looks familiar. Then it pans over to Anya Taylor-Joy, and he's like, she looks familiar, too, because he's seen Split. So, right. like, he would know her from that. And, and then it pans over to Maisie Williams. Human. <laughs> She's part human, part praying mantis. Go ahead. <laughs> and then it pans over to Maisie Williams. And he's silent because he's never seen Game of Thrones before. And we're like, of all the people, that would be recognizable. (laughs) And so we thought that was hilarious. And then it just took forever for him to figure out who Charlie Heaton was. And 
it finally got to a scene where he spoke and he's like, okay, let's hear him speak. And he's like, what's going on over here? And he was like, well, that did not help at all. (laughs) And then just all of a sudden while we were watching, Dylan just went, Stranger Things. (laughs) It was a good cast. It was, yes. I'll follow up with your, it was a good cast with, if only they could do anything to save this movie. (laughs) It's exactly what I was going to say. The movie was not good. I was going to say, it was a great cast if only they had characters to play. I can always find some interesting ideas and concepts from a bad movie, but none of them, even if there are cool concepts, none of them are redeeming in this movie. (laughs) I don't know if it was the filmmakers or the studio. See, this is where it gets fuzzy for me because there were so many delays and so many. So I don't know if it was like the studio kind of trying to make it so generic and appealing to a mass audience that they right. kind of like ironed out the things that made it cool or if the filmmakers were just misguided. There's that saying of like a horse made by a committee comes out like a camel. and I've never so heard that before ever. I heard it from Parks and Rec first to be honest but you know you get so many hands in it that you just can't even create a normal thing anymore. Right. And so, you know, maybe Josh Boone and Nate Lee's original screenplay, maybe it was terrible. I don't know. And they were the studio was like, we have to salvage this somehow. But just the more hands they brought in to look at this, and Josh Boone doesn't want to change what his original idea is, and it just keeps going back and forth. And, you know, this is supposed to be like a horror-ish movie. I just want to step back for a second. And explain the whole concept of the movie is that there's this hospital for young mutants who haven't quite figured out how to control their powers yet. Right. And a girl is brought in to this facility. It ends up that her power is that she uh, releases this energy that psionic energy. Yes, psionic energy (laughs) that takes other people's greatest fears and manifests them into something real and makes them actually appear like they can touch you they can right. attack you all that right so that's where the horror elements come in to play right. in this movie it's a horror movie like he just explained and they made it on a horror budget like horror is known as it's real cheap and you get a lot out of it And I read in an article, I read a few articles, one on Vulture, one on Variety, one on Entertainment Weekly, and I don't remember which it was, but one of the, like, studio people from Fox said, we could throw out this entire movie and just make it completely again, and it wouldn't be the most expensive X-Men movie we've ever made. (laughs) Right. And I just love the idea of everyone sitting down and being like, should we just throw the whole thing away? Right. Because <laughs> it's getting to a point that I don't know what we can do to salvage it. It, it. it feels like if they had turned up the volume to 11 on any single element. The horror. The John Hughes aspect. Any of the it. The X-Men aspect. Any of it. Yes. Yes. But they just they, they it seems like they just played it as safe as possible all the way across the board. Like, and that's and, a really and, good And I'm point. sorry. Everything I've seen Anya Taylor-Joy in, not that I've seen a ton of things starring her. Right. 
I've enjoyed her performance. She's very she's, good. She's a great actress, yeah. She, she was not good in this. And I think it comes from... There's like a few things I want to touch on from what you just said, so let me try to break them down. So the first, starting from the first thing you were talking about with turning it up to 11, I was thinking, I don't want to sit here and just say, it's a bad movie, it's a bad movie, because that's not, you know, constructive at all. If I'm Josh Boone, I'm like, I'm like, fuck you, like, (laughs) what what would you do, you know? And I agree with you. No, Mark Summers I personally, oh, okay, (laughs) that reference might be a little above me <laughs> is he something from like double dare or something he was the host of double dare he was also the host of a show on nickelodeon in the early 90s called what would you do okay so now that we've gotten through that i would have personally turned up the breakfast club mirroring because i felt like i almost would have liked it better if it was just like a shot for shot remake of the breakfast club but with mutants in a mental hospital (laughs) because i liked the moments where like the doctor aka the principal from the breakfast club was like asleep or gone and the mutant kids were able to like run around and do whatever but i felt like the whole movie they were just out doing whatever and i was like so this place isn't that secure and they're able to do whatever they want all the time like i never really felt that they were like trapped so i feel like they should have made it mirror more that like you know in the breakfast club they were like stuck in detention they couldn't go anywhere in this movie they really didn't have to stay in their rooms they had so much freedom that it didn't feel like there was any sort of like danger to any of it i'm trying not to shit on this movie too much yeah but i would agree with you if during those scenes there was any furthering of the plot or character Anything building happened. or the closest thing we got was they did a polygraph test and sunspot lied about girls that he slept with which was that's the most we got out of any of those scenes. The worst part of the movie was every time action had to stop for people to start talking <laughs> in my opinion because like in that scene I was trying I was trying so hard. I was telling Dylan and Kristen, let's not just laugh at this movie the whole time, but I actually burst out laughing in that scene because the main girl Danny has a bear necklace and the whole thing is like, you know, in her culture, like her father always told her a story about two bears that you have inside you and one is all the good, one is all the evil and stuff like that. So she's got this bear necklace and they say, what's with the bear necklace? And she's like, oh, my father gave it to me. And she goes into this whole story about how she was so scared of the dark and he told her about this bear that represents all your fear and the more afraid you are, the bigger the bear gets. And she goes on for like a long time talking about this and then she ends it with, so he gave me this to always remind me how little I was when I was young. How little (laughs) it was when she was young. It was? Oh my God, that makes so much more sense. (laughs) We were like, why would she say that? <laughs> oh my god, that doesn't save the scene at all, but that makes, makes a lot a, more sense. It makes a little more sense, but Cody, if you and I are hiking on a trail yes. and a yes. giant bear comes up and you get all afraid and I go, but Cody, remember how little it was before? Like, I don't give a shit. It's huge now. Even a, even a little bear is a big bear. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. And when the, we were in Tennessee, we saw a little uh, bear, and it was so adorable. Well, get away, because <laughs> there's a big bear somewhere. <laughs> now, there was another scene where pretty much all the dialogue to me just felt like, without Flat. going just hammering on and hammering it on, it was all, every line had no subtext. It was all exactly on the nose of what they were saying, yep. and it sounded like... It sounded like a student film to me, but like from a major motion picture studio, this is not the kind of stuff that's usually pushed out. Let's, let's, after one of the delays, this was scheduled to come out head to head with Dark Phoenix. And the (laughs) studio said, you know what? We're going to go with Dark Phoenix. (laughs) And I never saw Dark Phoenix. Oh, I did. According to Matt, it was, it was not a good movie. There was a scene, just to my final hammering of the dialogue, (laughs) there was a scene where Maisie Williams' character and Blue Hunt's character go out to watch the rain hit the force field dome around their, like, compound, and when the rain hits the dome, it, like, sparkles, and it's really pretty, and (laughs) Maisie Williams is like, it's beautiful, isn't it? And Blue Hunt's like, our beautiful cage. That's what my dad used to call it. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, call what? You had a cage around your reserve? And Maisie Williams says exactly that. She's like, you had a dome around your reserve? She's like, no, duh, our bodies. <laughs> our beautiful cage. I what? thought she was gonna, I th- like, I thought she was going to be like the reserve. Or something. Like, no, it it's so just- much more sense. Our bodies, we live in these cages, and then our spirits let out when we die. And it's like I've—I only met your dad for like one second, and he's every story you tell about him, he sounds all over the place. I don't know what you're talking. Maisie oh. Williams is thinking, yeah, maybe I should have let you jump. <laughs> Which, I, and then that too—that <laughs> the girl who has shown no. From what we've seen, she has had no prior signs of suicidal tendencies. Gets to this place, tries to escape once, and is like, I'm, I'm killing myself. I'm done. <laughs> like, that's not how that works. I really thought she was going to jump and, like... Not die and right, be invincible. Not be hurt, yeah. Because, and then, like, a scene later, Maisie Williams says, like, she might be invincible. Or, no, I think it's Anya Taylor-Joy says that, mm-hmm. like, what's your power? Are you invincible? And I was like, oh, they're hammering it home. Like, she's invincible. Right. Had nothing to do with anything. Nope, nope. I just have this so, giant bear spirit. <laughs> so, we can agree so far that this movie was not good. <laughs> Wait, okay, sorry. Okay. I, I, I know I'm trying not to pile on, but I'm, I'm going to pile on. Sure. You have a British actress in Maisie Williams. Mm-hmm. All right, you, Scottish accent. You have a yep. British actor in Stranger Charlie Things. Charlie Heaton. Tra- Charlie Heaton. All right, you, Kentucky. <laughs> He did good at the accent, I'll be honest. You have an Argentinian British actress in Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. Russian. Yep. And then you have the guy who played Sunspot, who I can only imagine was some guy who was walking like on a tour at the studio. That they were like, oh, you've got abs. Like, okay, (laughs) since you're not an actual actor, you, you don't have to do an accent. Am I being a little too mean? 
A little bit, only in the sense that I feel like he wasn't the worst of the actors, which maybe isn't saying much, but I I believe he was Brazilian and Blue Hunt, who played Danny, is actually Native American. Mm -hmm. Well, he was a Brazilian times worse than everyone else. (laughs) That was one of your better... That was one of your better <laughs> jokes. I liked that one a lot. I just realized that that reminded me of that time that you told jokes and I just kept saying that was actually good. <laughs> and you were like, why do you keep saying that was actually good as if it's normally not? <laughs> but, um, oh, because you brought up that you were interested in what I was going to say because of the, the horror. horror element. Right. And... Yeah, it did. It just felt like someone was like, we just need it to be horror. So, like, just do, like, the things that horror movies do. You're going to be able to speak to this part of it a lot more than me. Yeah. It looked like someone read a Wikipedia article about horror movies in, like, the early to mid 2000s. (laughs) And then said, all right, we're going to do that. Yes. That's what it felt like to me. I just feel like, especially given they had the ability to, like, have a mutant who brings your greatest fears to life. Right. I feel like this was, what what they put into this movie was, like, the least they could do. Because the smiley creature things that haunted Anya Taylor-Joy's character. Mm-hmm. The smiling man. That, I guess, were real. Like, in her life at one point? I never fully understood that part. The only thing, and this is this is me making a lot of assumption, doing a lot of work, right. that, like, based on nothing that the movie gave me. I mean, I guess based on a little bit that the movie gave me. Whatever this limbo place is that, that her to. and her pterodactyl stuffed animal that I guess was actually a dragon, but I thought it was a pterodactyl Lockheed, the yes. entire time. Like, this limbo world that they go to. Yes. I I guess they exist there, and she wasn't able to control in the past where, like, when she went there and when she didn't. I don't... That's the... That makes a lot of sense. The only thing that I can... That makes a lot of sense. And those things were actually, like, creepy looking. And I just feel like could have been used so much more sparingly because... (laughs) The first time you see it, it, like, comes into the scene, like, with its back turned, and you see its weird, lanky body and its long fingers and stuff, Mm -hmm. and I was like, ooh, that's pretty creepy, and then it immediately turned and looked directly at the camera with its mask on, and I was like, all right, now it's stupid. Well, and that it was, like, Toy Story-level CGI. I'm exaggerating. (laughs) It wasn't that dated, but... It wasn't that bad, but you you could have gotten... You could have gotten a lanky, tall actor and put prosthetic fingers on him. Yeah, what's put- Doug Jones doing right now? <laughs> but you, you don't even need Doug Jones. Like it. And I, I get like it. Matt's just, very exasperated right now. I, I feel like just like putting the makeup on a on a unique looking actor would have been one cheaper and two scarier. Yeah, hundred percent. And I I really just think that. What I was going into this with was at least maybe it'll be a horror movie, and I enjoy horror movies, but 
whenever a quote unquote scary scene was happening, it just felt like I was just waiting for it to end. Like I, I almost was like, I get the gist of what you're doing here. And I just am bored by it. It was mostly just people like slowly delving into like a dream. Yeah. And then a jump scare would happen at the very end and then they'd come out of the dream or whatever. To me, the most effective one was Maisie Williams thing with the priest. That was pretty good. But then they ruined it when he started talking, when he started yelling at her. Yes. And they also, I was going to say the one that I enjoyed the most was Sunspot in the pool just because it was pretty cool that Anya Taylor-Joy's character, who he thought was swimming the whole time, hadn't been there the whole time. Like, that was the one that felt the most like, oh, there was like a twist that I didn't see coming. Right. (laughs) But they just kind of like ignore it right after. Like, once you're out of the horror scene, it's like, okay, now we're back to this other movie we're making that's like (laughs) a teen comedy drama, whatever. Right. The movie felt, I have not seen a movie this unaware of what it is since the first Suicide Squad movie. It just felt all over the place. Yeah. Just jumping from one thing to the next without any regard for what happened in the last scene. It's just not good. And I wanted it to be... I I know. I knew it wasn't going to be great. Right. But I was like, okay, I really like comic book movies. Yes. I really like the X-Men and not just the movies, but like the... The idea of it. The idea of it and what it represents and just... And all these <laughs> articles I read, it just wasn't all these bad. articles I read talk about like when it was first being developed and the idea was ooh, a horror take on a superhero movie. And they keep talking about it in, the, in these articles as if like, who could ever think of this? And like, who, how could it be done? Is it even possible? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I feel like it's completely rational to do this. Like you can, especially with what the MCU has done where they make comedy movies and sci-fi movies and full-on or like full on 20th action century movies, fox like, tried it with like i don't know a vampire played by wesley snipes <laughs> yeah the, the studio making this i feel like it's more what i'm saying is blade that's what blade was yes it's I, I i feel like it's more ridiculous and more difficult to imagine saying what if we took a superhero movie and made it incredibly grounded and dramatic and endearing and they did that with Logan a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That I, I never would have believed they could make such a real feeling movie out mm-hmm. of a superhero genre. And so I just feel like a superhero horror movie is probably one of the easiest things that you could do. If you just commit to if it. If you just do it. Let and it the be thing rated is, I don't Right. And I don't think the studio just... I don't think they wanted to commit to it. Right. And what I've heard of these reshoots that I couldn't tell if they were real or not. (laughs) What I heard is that Get Out and It came out, and they were like, oh, people do like horror. Go reshoot it and make more horror. And it's like, I think that's why you get that feeling of once the horror scene's over, we're back to a different movie. Right. Because they just injected them in. Right, they just filmed them separately and plugged them in. And that obviously, for many obvious reasons, that doesn't work. <laughs> and so this movie, now that we've gone, what, what's it been, 20 minutes of us just like yelling at each other about? I don't know, but Doctor Strange in the multi, Multiverse of Madness is supposed to be yes. a quote unquote horror movie. Right. And they replaced the director with Sam Raimi. 
and I can't wait. Which, the only thing, I forgot that it's Sam Raimi that they replaced him with. That's amazing. (laughs) Scott Derrickson was the original director, and he had done Sinister back in the day. Yeah, but Sam Raimi did. Super scary. Sam Raimi did Evil Dead. I know, I know. What I was thinking when they first split with Scott Derrickson, and I was like, I was like, oh no. He wanted to make it really scary, mm-hmm. and they were like, go away. <laughs> then when they hired Sam Raimi, I was like, I still feel like Scott Derrickson wanted to make it really scary. Right. And so they brought Sam Raimi, because he'll make it scary, but also comic-y and right. like, funny. So I still am interested in the movie. I just also wonder... I mean, I'm not even... I'm not judging the movie. I haven't seen it. Maybe it'll be super scary, but... This movie originally started as the beginning of a trilogy. <laughs> right. And so this would be the first one, and in trilogy fashion, there would be two more. Clearly, that's not happening. With one of the other mutants played by Sasha Baron Cohen. Which, in my opinion, it's always a good idea to plug him into something <laughs> weird like that. We're not even going to talk about how John Hamm apparently was in this movie and they cut him out. As Mr. Sinister. Yes, okay. At the end of this movie, the very, very, very end, once they had beaten the demon bear, I'm not even going to talk about it, I had this moment when they were planning, like, what are we going to do next, and they were going to go off as a group, I had this moment where I thought, I'm a little bit interested in what happens next for these kids. Well, that, from what I understand, the New Mutants comic is, is that, is not them stuck in an asylum or anything, it's them out and about doing their thing right and so it's like i'm interested in what the sequel would be but i don't want any of these people to make a sequel to this movie (laughs) like i don't think i want a sequel to this movie right but i like the idea but i'm intrigued by the idea of a new mutants movie an actual new mutants movie yes exactly and i just wish we could go back in time because by the time they decided to do it, you can't use these same actors, and I'm interested in what these same actors would do with actual good content, mm-hmm. like with a good script and words that sound like a person would be saying Right. Them. I don't want to shit on the director too much, but the director is also the writer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Along with his co-writer, Nate Lee, known for working on the Jackass movies, and I'm not Look, I'm not out there making these movies. I'm not out there fighting with a studio system, but should have been the Invisible movie. (laughs) So they should have left. (laughs) They should have left. Where are we in a time where I enjoyed You Should Have Left more than I enjoyed this movie? Because You Should Have Left, while it wasn't that great, knew what it was. (laughs) That's true. Okay. So I am going to give New Mutants... One and a half stars. And I would not recommend this movie. I just wouldn't. I don't have the heart to give anything no stars. Yeah, you have to give it at least half. I'm going to give it half a star. Okay. And the fact that I have to give it half a star is the fault in these stars. Oh, man. I'm not even going to follow up with anything. (laughs) I think that's the end of the episode. (laughs) So thank you for listening to Let's Run That Back. We have our 
Instagram of Let's Run That Back, where we post whenever we upload a new episode. We have our email address of Let's Run That Back Pod at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear your feedback on the movies or the podcast, anything. And I am Cody. And I'm Matt, and we'll be nicer next time. See ya!